Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We all seem to know things I don't know. Do you know what I mean? So there you go. Hello and welcome to the West London Sport QPR podcast. I'm Dan Bennett. I'm joined as ever by West London Sports, Ian McCullough and former QPR striker Kevin Gallen. Um, but before we get into it, I just want to say if you are a regular watcher of these podcasts on YouTube, please do subscribe to the channel. Uh, and we're now also on streaming platforms as well. So if you do, if you are listening to us, make sure you follow our feed so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes. Um, you can also advertise on this podcast as well. So if you are run a business and you want to be heard, by two and a half or four thousand people every week on average then uh do email info at westlondonsport.com um get in touch with us and we can uh we can we can discuss um but yeah okay we'll get into it uh two on defeat to Huddersfield last night is this a small blip do you think or is this something bigger that you're concerned about here what, what are your thoughts well, it's a good question Dan um it's just, at the moment it's a small blip but I think going back to last season uh, in January, February, he kept asking me these questions as <laughs> blip, and that small blip carried on. So you've got to be uh, careful that uh, you nip it in the bud quickly with uh, a, some sort of performance and uh, a result against Coventry on Saturday. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit concerning because I don't think we've actually played that well in the last, you know, few games. I, mean, I think we played all right against Norwich. That was a good performance, but I'm talking about the Luton game. The Wigan game, the Cardiff game, I look back and I just think they were so poor, Cardiff, that you didn't even have to play well to beat them. Uh, and the, Birm- the the Wigan, Luton, Birmingham game, and then I wasn't there at the, the West Brom game, but obviously that was a poor result. So, yeah, slightly slightly concerning, but I think I'll keep saying this again. I never got too... I've tried not to get too excited when we were doing well. I'm not going to get too downbeat when we have a you know a few bad performances uh yeah obviously losing to the bottom of the of the t- bottom of the league team last night who hasn't won away from home 
is not good. A good, especially after losing at home to West Brom, who were bottom three. So two sort of winnable games at home and and losing both, obviously, not great, is it? So move on to the next one and you know get a win there, get a, get a win at Coventry, and then you got a month off, and then it ain't the end of the world. Yeah, I mean this. Still in the playoffs with this mini break. Yeah, last night was the worst one by far, wasn't it? Because you can look at the other games. I mean, Birmingham was was poor. But you look at West Brom and there's all the stuff. They're in a false position. They've got, you know, a good squad on paper. Luton, you know, had a good season so far, you know. It's, but Huddersfield, I mean, that was like their sec- second or third string team last night as well. Their manager said after that he thinks they had 14 injuries. And I heard the Huddersfield media guys saying that that might have been a bit of an over-exaggeration, but they had a lot of injuries. It was double-digit players out and about nine starters. So that, you know, that even makes it worse. But Ian, I mean, we were in Beale's press conference after and he didn't really hold back, did he? He was very strong on what he thought uh, was wrong. Um, and here's just some of what he had to say, actually. You can hear that now. Didn't deserve anything from the game because we were told before uh, that set plays would be big in the game and counter-attacks couldn't concede on neither of them moments. Um, nearly conceded from one after 20 seconds and then we conceded from two set plays. That's five out of the last six goals we conceded from set plays. Norwich should have scored in the last minute also. doesn't matter what the staff are asking the players to do. If they don't want to go and attack the ball and they don't want to be around second phases, then we're not going to win football matches because... In between that, we played some really good football. Their keeper made some good saves, but you know, if I'm Huddersfield, they put their body on the line. If I'm if I'm their manager, I'm absolutely delighted in terms of their togetherness and their work rate. They look like they're fighting for something. I don't really know where we're at at the moment because the first 25, 30 minutes of that game looked like a kid's game, and that's on me. I'm not happy with it at all, as you can tell. And. Uh, one or two results go our way tonight and everyone goes away from me saying, oh, we're in the top six and we're in a good position. No, this last week or so has not been good enough. I think I'll give the team a bit of grace in terms of away at Norwich. I thought we were decent, but if I look at Birmingham and I look at the weekend and today, they're games that we should be taking points from and ultimately we haven't. So it's our sticky patch. We need to wake up. That first game week was Ethan Laird to be fair mate I'll have to look at it but I'm, I'm sort of saying this is look without being too over dramatic because obviously I can tell you can tell that I'm not happy with this evening from Christmas down last year nemesis of the team was basically conceding 12 or 13 goals five single goals off a set plays so coming in it was an area we wanted to improve up until the last week or so we had we had so that's two managers. So I'm I'm saying out there, who's taking control? Who in the box is taking control? Because ultimately, that's what the game come down to. And if you warn your team beforehand, uh, in big bold letters, that set plays, respect them, because they went away to Luton and scored two or three from set plays, and we knew set plays would be big in the game. Uh, we don't defend them. We don't deserve anything from the game. Forget all the stuff between the box and the domination of possession and the shots and their keeper making big saves. If you're not willing to go and attack the ball in your box and see the danger and the importance of it, you ain't going to win football games. And that's what's been happening to us recently. And it's strange because we went away to Sheffield United who we've just seen bully 
Burnley at the same situation and came away with a clean sheet. We went away to Millwall, who scored the most goals from set plays in the league, and we came away with a clean sheet. So we had it. So maybe the mentality, there's been a mentality shift in, in the in the build in the last few weeks. So maybe the break's coming at a good time for all of us. It might not sound significant now, but in the first half, it looked as though you hurt them with your width and getting the crosses in. It didn't look as though in the second half you did the same job as mm. that. I think obviously they sat very, very deep second half. You know, they had you know, they had the lead. I completely understand that. I understand Mark's situation as well. He's gone in there. Let's not kid ourselves, that's not Huddersfield's full team this evening. They've got more missing than us. So I understand completely why when they're two one up they're 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 defensive and they're staying in and to be fair, Senny's had to make a, a decent save on the counter. We had all the chances tonight, we had all the running. There some players actually play well, to be fair. Some players actually play well, but the game's going to be remembered for us losing 2-1, and it's down to two set plays. And we lost to a set play at the weekend in a game where I thought we were the stronger team again. So them fine margins, we need to wake up because they, you know, there's six points gone there that we can't have. And You can only take stock at where you are in the league at the moment. We're fortunate to still be in the playoff positions, and we're fortunate that we've had re gone on a really good run. Recently, Norwich and Sheffield United went on sticky runs. But we've got to prove that we're as good as them teams. It's all right, Sam, we'll come out of it. We have to prove that. Um, so, look, I'm bitterly disappointed tonight. And ultimately, it's not good enough. Firstly, on me and then the players. Ian, yeah, like we heard it there and we heard it last night. Obviously, went in on the players a fair bit. You know, he criticised the set-piece defending, questioned the mentality at defending those set-pieces. Was he right to have, have a bit of a dig at the players, do you think, after that? Was, it, was, that, was he fair to do that? Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty strong. I mean, he's. I mean, he's very um, calm and composed, even when he's angry. He doesn't sort of shout and rant and scream. But I mean, when you're questioning sort of mentality, that's a that's a bit of a dig out on players, and I think merited, to be honest. Um, I'm gonna give the forwards a bit of a pass on this one because if they lost that game last night, but never looked like scoring and didn't really test the goalkeeper, then you could be concerned. But I mean. When you can see two goals like that, come on now. I mean, basic balls into the box. I mean, the first one, I mean, I don't know what Balagan's doing. You know, how's, how's he allowed that giant centre-back to just peel off him easy and he leaves him up against, I think, Ethan Laird. He just nods it mm. back and then there's Albert Diamond standing there. And the guy, you know, puts it in from, like, no one near him. Just puts it in for his first whatever goal. And runs off like he's a smile on his face, laughing like he's got Kenko coming out of his nostrils. You know what I mean? It's like, um, and then he does it again. Just another basic. I mean, if you're seeing the free kick, what 30 yards out on the touchline, and it's just hoiked into the box, and you're allowing a fella to kind of juggle it once, juggle it twice, and kick it out of rhythm, and it goes in. It's like, come on, you've got to be better than that. You know, I mean, if people are trying to dig out the goalkeeper, I don't know the goalkeeper for that. I mean, do you expect them to do that? I wasn't. It was a hell of a finish, wasn't you've it? Got to be tight. To be fair yeah, to him. yeah, but you've got to be tighter on there. How would you how, how yeah, let him no, get away with that? Put pressure on him. You know, it's it's terrible. And then what happens then is you've got a team that I've got something to hold on to and just put 10 men behind the ball and make it hard. And you can't go through them. As Mick Bill said, you can't go through them. You go wide and outside of them. But... And they put bodies on the line and blocks and crosses. And the keeper's very good. He was goalkeeper of the season in the, uh, uh, I think, in the championship last year, if I'm not wrong, Nichols. I'm pretty you sure know, he was, pulled, yeah. I think he's pulled off like two really good saves from Taylor Richards. And 
the longer it went on, the more desperate I got. Crosses were being kind of blocked, and the longer it went on, I grew in confidence, and it's just one of those nights. Um, I mean, was it 36 shots on, on goal? But yeah, so I got the stats. If you want Let me just try and find yeah, yeah, 36 shots, you know, 11 uh, to Huddersfield's 11. They had 17 shots that were blocked as well. So they, I don't think they can't register as shots. 71% possession. Uh, 20 of the shots that they had were outside the box. I don't know what that says. But yeah, I mean, I had to double take when I saw the stats on the screen to make sure that I definitely saw 36 shots, yeah. right? Because that is a ridiculous amount of shots. I mean, I read a stat game, today from Jack Supple that it was the highest number of shots. For a team not to win since Leeds did it against Wigan in 2019. So, you know, it's a pretty... But the point is, when in the in the, in the first half of the goal, they scored quite simple, really. Just played down my line, get behind and roll in the box. Dyke's there where he should be, puts it in. Do more of that. And I think, you know, Ilias Chia, I mean, you can't criticise his work rate and he, he doesn't go hiding, does he? But sometimes he just needs to do the simple thing. He tries too much. His little, you know, if you look in the first minute of the game, him and Laird have got mixed up, you know, trying to be fancy. And, mm. you know, Ding's made a big save. That could be one nil down after 30 seconds. You know, Balagan again caught out of position, you know, guys, guy slips past him. It's you know, and I think is it any is it any kind of coincidence that they've I think they've got what did Bill say? Five Five of the last six goals they've scored have been from set pieces because uh, they've been from set pieces. Yeah, Jimmy Dunn's not been playing, yeah. and Jimmy Dunn, what he yeah. does, he puts his head on the ball, he blocks. You know, he's and you look back to that Sheffield United game and the Millwall game. He played in both of those, I think, or did he? He maybe didn't play against Millwall, but he certainly played against Sheffield United. And you know they were blocking and doing it, and there's a bit of a, a complacency last night. I think they thought. I think they thought. Well, I think one there. We'll, we'll, we'll turn this lot over. You can't do that. You've got to defend properly. If you don't defend properly, you don't deserve to win the game. Yeah. Sorry, we were going to say something, Kev. I think Jimmy Dunn did play against Millwall from recollection. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You're, yeah. Right, you're right, Erin. You know, sometimes you need someone, a leader at the back there, who's going to say, "I'm going to head this ball out." And um, you mentioned there about <clears throat> zonal marking. Before we come on on online there, and uh, you know, sometimes when you've got the a manager saying or the coach saying or the set piece coach, or what they're saying is, and on the board before the game on the big flip board, you're marking him, you're marking him, you're marking him. Then you've got to take responsibility for that, and you have to win the first header against the man you're marking. Because then it will then the manager after the game can say, Well, hold on, you didn't win that header. You do you know what I mean? If you just go with zonal marking, no one really takes responsibility. Mm. It's like a collective, but no one actually says that was my man. So it's always a bit of that where I always think there's a little bit of zonal marking and a bit of man marking. So if you're defending the corner, the near post man, you'll have a near post man. And that when I played, I usually took that role because I quite liked it, because I didn't want to have the responsibility. Of being a defensive header, do you know what I mean? I used or, to do that as well, Kev. When I played, because yeah, I, yeah. I was quite small as well, so I used to go on the post. Well, I'm not as small as you, Dan, but um, yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to take that um, responsibility, and I didn't think I was good enough to. I don't really a, a big fan of centre forwards marking their main de danger men, unless you're like exceptional in the air. So I used to take the near post area, and then you have your two men on the on the on the on the goal post, and then you have your best. Markers, which usually are centre halves, marking their best headers, and then there's a responsibility to win that personal battle you have. 
And like you said, if you don't, and Nick Beale said there after the game, if you don't win your first header, you're in a whole world of trouble. And that's like basic schoolboy stuff. And I, mm. I've got a boy and he plays football. He's 11. He plays at the back. And I say, I say to him, win the first header. Win the first contact. Win it properly. And it saves you a hell of a lot of trouble after. Saves you a hell of a lot of defending if you win that first header. And last night, two basic balls in the box. We didn't and we got punished. It's something that's gone out of the game, it seems. You don't often see front and back on the post anymore. Yeah. And, I mean, why is that? What's the thinking in modern day football about why don't you defend the post like they used to? And why is that because they were trying to get everyone squeezed up and playing, you know, and play someone on side? Is that the thinking behind it? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's just sometimes you leave no one up front, and I don't know if I'm a fan of that because if you clear the ball, it just comes straight back. Or if the keeper, that, but then there's other reasons if you don't have someone um, up, left up front, then if the keeper does get it. You can break from deep and no one knows you can cause a bit of chaos. But you really, for me, you just have Ilias chair sort of up front and it leaves them, you still have to have two men back uh, marking him because any manager who don't has two men marking one one striker, is your it's a recipe for disaster because all it takes is a slip and you've got no cover. So you leave Ilias chair up, up front because he's the smallest and he ain't really going to win headers, is he? So... You leave him up, and then and then you just defend your goal, and you pick men up, and then and you have two men on the post. I, I think it's quite basic. I don't, I don't get it really. And you're right, I don't get it. In just you know, set pieces are massive in um, in football, and especially in the championship. QPR, we won, we won uh, the game against Wigan with two set pieces, two headers. And by the way, they scored Wigan from a long throw into the box, didn't they? Because mm. we didn't get a proper header on it. It dropped, and the and the bloke scored. So this is this is this lot of sort of winning that first contact and winning it properly and getting it out of the box. It's something that QPR need to work on and get better at. The reason I've been told for zonal marking is like because you see more and more blocking off in the penalty areas and grappling and defenders holding forwards and forwards holding defenders and that. I mean that's something referees just seem to ignore. So is that something that's more commonplace now than when you played? Because it's to me it looks blatant. You're seeing stuff in the box and you go, if you'd done that in the middle of the park, that'd be a free kick. But it's in a yeah. penalty box at a corner, then it, you know, all bets are off. Everything's, you know, grand. It's just the way it is. But it, it I mean, I, that's the only reason I can see why they're going zonal and things like that. But again, a space has never scored a goal. Don't mark yeah. a man, not a space. That's what I was always taught. But well, if I, when I was a striker and if I was like attacking the box from a corner, I'd be delighted not to be marked. Because you get in, because the first thing I would do would be run in the middle of two and take the gamble, run in the middle of two two defenders, hope hoping that the first the ball goes over the first, the, the bloke in front and you're going to get the run on the the geezer the, the defender behind you. So I hated when people were like pushing me and all that because and then there's another another thing where the manager or the coach might think you know Jimmy Dunn right Jimmy you. You don't mark. You're the only zonal one in that, and you just go and win that, that header. And I've seen that before. And when you got someone, I think Danny Shooter might have done it quite a bit for us uh, when we when I was playing for QPR. Go on, Danny, you're spare. As like a, you just go and win that header, and we're out on the way. So, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of zonal. I mean, you, you do have a little bit, you know, like I just said, with the front man, and maybe you take the gamble of um, having one in the middle and just go and head it. But for me. It has to be responsibility in that in that defensive area, 
and uh, and that means you're picking up your man and you're told before the match who you're picking up and you're sort of and you've been and you get told don't let him score and if you're marking you just think I am not letting my man score and and I think that's a better way of doing it for me yeah, I agree with you, Kev, about like first contact, because if you win the first contact, you avoid a lot of trouble. But like when you look at last night's ones as well, like even after they lose the first contact, there's still so many opportunities to stop the goals from going in. Like the first one, Raffles is allowed to peel off into the middle of the box and there's like four or five stood on the six yard box, lying on the six yard box, and there's you know, they're all just kind of stood there doing nothing, and you're just like if someone just goes with Ruffles and he doesn't score, it's really easy. And as well, there's yes. like four or five even that, Dan. Someone should be who's who's who, who's who's marking ruffles. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just all all this got to do is one person's got to go with him, stay with him, and he doesn't score. It's it's literally as simple as that. Second one as well. There's like three, four people you could probably point to to say if you just did a little bit more, stick a foot in, then he wouldn't have. I mean, it's a hell of a goal. I'm not sure you can blame Dieng much. I think he's probably going to get a bit more stick than he would have done because of the one at Birmingham. Now that's twice that's happened and you're thinking, is it a bit of a an area where he needs to improve? But I'm not sure you can really blame him much. I think it's a great goal, but it should, thing, should be preventable. The only thing with that, with Dieng is, and I'm not saying he should have saved it, but it's the way he sort of ran back and he didn't jump. And he'd done it against Birmingham. It's a little bit, it's like, is he lacking? The, I don't know. He's, it was, he didn't move his feet quick enough. Running backwards to and then jump and try and make that save. And it's a bit. It may be a bit harsh. But. I'm always loath to criticise goalkeepers and things like that because I've never played in goal, and what I don't. So I don't know what what I see as a blatant error. Someone who knows what they're talking about will say no. That's so. I'm I'm, I'm staying out of this one. But I don't think I don't think I wouldn't I wouldn't blame Dieng for that. I mean, he was expecting the centre half to kind of juggle the ball. When you should have boxed and do an overhead kick. But how's he allowed to again, how's he allowed to do that? Why is there no one tight on him? Mm. It went a hell of a way up in the air as well before it went in. Like it really went high up in the air and then looped down and you know it's, it's it caught him off guard. And I'd yeah, I say I don't think I wouldn't blame him too much for that. But just yeah, on some play hundred, you see that and that goes over the bar, it's into the you know, it's yeah. just it just chants his arm and it's gone in. It's a bit like the trusty goal at Birmingham. He didn't mean that. That's just sort of Stick your leg out, hope for the best, and you know he's been unfortunate. But I don't, I, I don't mean they can complain about losing the game last night. But at the same time, I don't think you know the, the people that will be wringing their hands and calling for changes and this and that and the, the tombs that we've written, sort of, you know, bemoaning this, bemoaning that. I didn't think they played that bad that last night, but they just made two silly errors, stupid errors, and the longer the game went on, they grew in confidence and they just couldn't. On another night, some of those shots would have gone in, but it didn't last night. It's in many ways, it's one of those nights. But at the same Regard time, you, you, you can't defend like that. Regarding the attacking play, I mean, the goal we scored, we got down the side, and it was a low cross. Then we mm. sort of reverted to sort of higher like crosses in the air, and they had two mm. halves. Yeah. They were like six five, and it was it was perfect for them. Where we needed to get round them and cut the ball back a bit more and lower crosses. And just sometimes, you know, Ilias Chair frustrated me last night because he took, every time he got the ball, he took so many touches mm. and didn't move the ball quick enough, which allowed their two banks, their bank of four and their five in midfield to get back in position and to make it very hard to squeeze the space. I think the ball just had to be moved quicker yeah. and earlier. 
and that was the frustrating thing for me going I forward backing uh, wise Mark, Mark Warburton I remember him saying that last year that Chair could go on and play at a high level but he's still got to learn when to release and when to run and when to play and I think when games keep are chasing he's trying so hard to get back into the game he's sort of taking it upon his shoulders which is admirable he's thought I'm the captain I've got to go out I've got to but it's still you know as you say you're holding on to it too long it just moved um, the ball just if you move the ball quicker it just hmm. makes them work harder but if you'd like taking five or six touches every time before you release the ball it's perfect for a defender because you, you can jockey and everyone gets back into position just in those situations where and i played in games where it's tough and you know someone they got something to hang on to and they've just sitting back and it's no space to break down and you need a little bit of luck and it didn't happen and by the way their keeper made a great save it's, is it from rip yeah rich header yeah yeah, made a couple. Yeah, the one for the header was was really yeah, good. I, I was certain. I thought that was a goal. So yeah. you know, another day, you, you score that, you could go on and win the game. So it's yeah. it's very tight. This championship game is. My my philosophy of you scoring the first goal, we usually win. Went out the window last night. Yeah, he pulled up a great save as well from that one from distance from Richards. It was, yeah. That was looked mm. like he was going to top corner all day, and he, he he's clawed that out. And you know, it's one of those nights, but. I mean, I thought on a positive time, I thought Richards looked really good when he came on. And uh, I thought the two lads in centre midfield both had good games, Field and um, Irabunum. I thought Irabunum was really good last night. He, yeah, he's probably the best know, player for me, I think. You know, the way he runs with the ball and just, he's a good player. He, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't put any blame on that defeat on his shoulders last night. Or, although you could argue maybe he could have done better for the, uh, the second goal. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. He's one yeah. of the ones you can point out and say, if he... Does a little bit more, maybe Cabrera, but he's not the only one. To be fair to him, but you know, it's a collective, isn't it? But um, yeah. I was going to say that I, I agree. I think like they, they lost it in the first half, didn't they? I mean, you can see two goals like that, and you go two one down, and you go in into half time. You know exactly what Huddersfield are going to do after the break. They're going to sit really deep. They're going to try and run the clock down, and it's so, it's just so hard to play against. You know, if if you you can't expect to get anything if you go two one down. To a team like that, because you know, I was looking in the in the second half, like in the, in the, the later stages, they're like nine men in the box. So like one outside the box, like nine. Like what? What really can you do? You're either relying on a shot to go in from outside the box to beat the, a very good goalkeeper, or you're kind of relying on like a ricochet, aren't you, or a deflection or something, just to get a bit of a, you know, or or a real moment of quality. It's so hard to play against, you know, whatever the team is. So, um, and I mean, just final. On set on set pieces before we move on as well. QPR now tied second in the league for uh, for set piece goals conceded this season with eight. Last season they were joint eight for most goals conceded, but what I would say is most of those came in the second half of the season. So it is a bit of a worrying trend, you know, as Beal touched on from Christmas onwards last year, going into this season that that does seem and you know there's been a fair bit of personnel change as well this season. So it's definitely something they've got to try and um try and address but just on the attacking play as well Kev there I mean like we mentioned all the shots all the possession was it a case of like forcing it a bit too much last night was it just the goalie had a really good game because you know 36 shots and you only score once like that that is it's really poor isn't it I mean what 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 did what do you think was was down to that was it a case of forcing it too much was it just bad finishing like what what or was it a combination of all, all these things well I think they had to force it because you two one down and and they're sitting back, so you got you got the they, they've conceded the space, so you got to go and attack them and um, forcing it in the sense that 
they were just, you know, taking shots on where maybe they shouldn't in that sense. Yeah, and I know that. I mean, looking back, the, the keeper made two really good saves from Richards. And other than that, I mean, can I remember? Did we have a, a real clear-cut chance in the second half after that? Other than those two chances? I mean, the header's a really good chance. The shot, I mean, for me, that's not a real good chance. That's just a, a really good bit of play from uh, Richards to, you know, try and hit the top corner from distance. But did we really create, like, a clear-cut where you say, bloody, we should have scored there. That was a sitter. It probably goes under the radar a bit. But you know the one that come back to chair when he scuffed it? Yeah, I mean, that was like the half, half chances. I'm talking about. Did we really create a chance other than the header? But the the keeper made a worldie, by the way. Other than the header, can we say in the whole game he should have scored? He missed a sitter there. I can't really put my finger on it. I might be wrong that we didn't really create, and that's because they, to be fair, they defended really deep and they defended their box well. And they and like that, like we keep saying, if you're hanging on to, if you've got a goal to hang on to. You know, it's it's tough. But um, I just think we didn't get around the back of them quick enough. Uh, we didn't lower crosses and cutbacks. It was more like sort of from deeper areas where we were crossing. There was food and drink for their big two centre-halves. I was surprised Aoife Laird come off. Really was surprised. I don't know if he was injured. But I thought uh, Adoma sort of ran out of legs in the second half and mm. couldn't get around the man. So I was just a bit surprised in that. But... You know, we pretty much threw the kitchen sink and it happens. But the real problem in the game was not defending set pieces. Yeah. We I mean, can talk about the second half all you want, can't you, really? But they get they give it everything. They just didn't score. But that, that wasn't the issue, was it? It wasn't the fact that it's the attacking player was... Frustrating. But the real problem in that game was, and, the, and like you said, we've conceded the most set pieces. You've got to defend the box properly. If you defend the box properly and win the headers... You usually don't concede goals and you come out winning matches. Mm. Ian, do you think the lack of good options off the bench was a bit of a problem last night? Obviously not a bigger problem as a set-piece defender, but, you know, he brings on Macaulay Bon and Chidipo and with all respect, you know, they're two players mm. that have played most of their recent football in the division below. Um, you know, no Sinclair Armstrong, no Tyler Roberts. You know, you look at these players, they're kind of players you want coming off the bench. I know Tyler yeah. Roberts has come in for a bit of stick this season, but I still think he's a good championship player and someone certainly off the bench that can cause a lot of problems. And, you know, the substitutions as well, like Kev touched on there, was that a bit of a factor as well, do you think? Um, I thought McCauley Bomb was really disappointing when he came on. I didn't think he offered anything when he when he did. Um, I don't know why Sinclair Armstrong wasn't on the bench. Um, you have to, it's just fitness, isn't it, again? You just have to take the manager at face value and say he sees him every day in training and decided that mm. Bond's doing more in training than Armstrong is, maybe. But, um, I do think, you know, had he, I think, had he known the way the game was going to pan out, he probably would have had Armstrong on the bench because, you know, a tiring back four bringing Armstrong on with that pace and power and, you know, enthusiasm, you know, perhaps could have caused a penalty, could have done something, but Bond didn't do anything when he came on. Really, he had a, no, I don't, I don't get Bond over Armstrong. Way. If Armstrong's available, I, I, I don't get that really. I think Armstrong is a far better option than Bond. Is it maybe putting Bond in the shop window because he's got kind of eight months left and saying to people, look, he's playing, but you know, yeah, but shouldn't be, shouldn't be that though, should it really? When you, you know, and the thing is, going. you know, they're gonna, I think the likes of Shadipo and that will be gone in January. I'll be surprised if you know, he's talked about players 
moving being moved out the fringe players and I, i'd imagine they'll i'd be surprised if you know i think his contract at the end of the season Chidibo, they might try and move him on in january i think thomas will go and they'll they'll, they'll bring in sort of reinforcements to have a better bench in the second half of the season i would have thought um but i mean but you look at it i mean what was it the game the game at luton all right they lost but the bench they had that day you thought oh, that's a really strong bench um when you look at the bench against um for the last three games you sort of go oh i'm not too sure about that bench i mean the bench at norwich you can compare the bench that you had to norwich's last week it was you know night and day really wasn't it and all right, it didn't really, it didn't cost them, it, they didn't lose the game, but certainly against West Brom, you look at the players that West Brom are bringing on, the players that QPR brought on last night. In that game, it's, that's where QPR are. I think the first 15 are strong, but I think after that, you're kind of scratching the surface of real game changes because there isn't, outside of what they, as you mentioned, Tyler Roberts and Armstrong and these types of play when they're available, they make you a strong 15, but below that, you you are you are struggling a bit. Yeah, I mean, missing your Hansen's big as well, isn't it? He, whether he starts, you know, off the bench is a great option with his passing and creativity as well. But you know, you'd have to assume he starts starts starting. That's another body in the team. Someone has yeah. to drop out, and then that makes another good option on the bench. You know what I mean? Whether that probably might have been Albert Adoma. You know, he's. I don't think he had his best game last night. To be honest, I thought he no. was very admirable the way how hard he worked and how. You know, he got up and down that touchline, given his age. But I don't. I thought he lacked quality at, at times. But you know, he's someone that, that certainly he'd want off the bench. So, and you know, it's not. The injuries have been, you know, a problem all season with Tyler Roberts now going back to Leeds and Sinclair Armstrong, assuming not being quite fit enough to to play. That's an ongoing issue, isn't it? Where he's trying to manage his fitness. These options are all good, but do you think that's a bit of an issue as well, Kerb? Like, just not quite having, you know, when there's a couple of injuries, the attacking options there. Is that something they need to work on in January? Yeah, 100%. I've been saying it for a year. You need some... Need <laughs> I know I'm a broken record, but... I wouldn't have a good striker on the bench. He's like, bring him on. And I understand that there ain't many out there. And I understand the lack of funds to get a good one. We've got to have a real... Scouting department's got to have a real look and uh, try and get someone in. Because... Um, Makes a big difference. So, yeah, I do think they're right in, and and then the bench, you know, the reinforcements when came on were not really better than what were on the starting eleven. If I'm being honest, Shadipo. I mean, how long he's 25 now hasn't really his QPR career has never really got going. So came on, didn't really do much. I thought Macaulay Bond was poor when he came on. I know it's difficult when you come on and, and they're playing so deep and you sort of just want the ball yeah. to come in and drop to you and it didn't and it can be frustrating. Regarding Sinclair Armstrong, uh, coming on against them, they're playing deep, so there ain't not much space to run into. Mm. But what he would give you is backing in and maybe, you know, like I say, he likes to have a wrestle up, he might get a fall over and get a penalty. But at the moment, Sinclair Armstrong hasn't scored a, a goal for QPR in his career. So we do need someone. We do need another striker to help Lyndon Dykes. Definitely. Yeah, because because Dykes worked really hard again last night. You know, he's like late in the game, he's charging back all the way into his own half to win the ball. It's like you you know working that hard and working that hard for the team. You are you know fair play to him, but you are putting yourself at a bit of threat, aren't you? In terms of burning out and getting injuries and things like that. And it's great that he's working so hard, but. 
I mean, yeah, I think you're right, Kev. Like, it's hard to rely on Dykes, isn't it, for for a whole season as you're like your number one striker. And you know, Tyler Roberts obviously isn't around at the moment, but we've kind of spoken about before that maybe he's not the answer as a striker; that he's more of a number ten player. But like, I think when everyone's fit, when you got Roberts, you know, Luke Amos was missing last night. So Hansen would starting on the bench, whatever. Maybe that drops a dome to the bench. Like when everyone's fit, I think they've got the options. But you're, you're going to get injuries throughout the season. That is just going to happen. Maybe it's been a you know worse than Beal was probably expecting this season again you know like it was last season but I still feel like that maybe that they are that one attacking option away from you know if they added that kind of one pacey attacker I think that would make quite a big difference I mean well, yeah. Kev what were your thoughts on like the overall sorry going in I was about sorry Dan I was going to say um sorry. I was quite impressed with um Bill's comments last night after the game I mean he, he could have complained about the time wasting he could, could have complained about the penalty they should have had in the first half he didn't mm. he didn't didn't make excuses and without hanging the players out to dry, I think he was very critical of them. But I was just wondering, Kev, from a player's point of view, do do players always look at managers and what they say after the game, after every match, or do they just sort of take stock of what he said in the dressing room and move on? Because, I mean, he was, you know, you're calling out sort of mentality. That's 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 quite quite a big call, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's not a problem. I think he's got quite a young team there. And let's be fair, he wasn't wrong, is he? The yeah. lads will, have to, will probably go in for a warm down and sort of say, if they do make a comment about it, oh, he's threw us under the bus a bit there. And then they'd probably give it, well, he's right, wouldn't he? He is right. So I don't think, I don't think I would look in too much into that. I mean, if it carries on, then I would, but I think he's been very praised, um, very uh, good with his praise for the team when they've done well. So, you know, you've got to expect sometimes. And you got to expect it from the crowd as well. You can't that. Mm. When you play well, you get praised. When you play, you think they play poorly. When you have a bad result, you're going to get some stick. That's football. You've got to get on with it. And they 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 should know that by now. That's just the way football is. And get on with it. I wouldn't. I mean, he's, that was good honesty from him. Some some managers will sort of praise their team and and give them the biggest hammer in in the dressing room. I uh, would say he probably hammered them in the dressing room a little bit. And give him a little bit of stick uh, to the press. So I think it'd be all right. Yeah, you'd like to think that the players would agree with him, wouldn't you? If they didn't, then it would be very worrying because of the manner of the goals conceded and losing at home to the team that I think they were bottom of the league and also not their full strength team. So if they don't agree with him, that would be, you know, far more worrying. But all right, we'll move on to our um to our preview predictions and commentary away on Saturday. It's the uh last game before the World Cup break for a month. I think QPR back on the 11th of December. I think I'm right in saying. Um, Kev, what are you uh, what are you expecting from this one? What would you like to see Beal do? Do you think changes following on from that game? Or was it just a case of just working on set pieces in training? Well, it'll be interesting what changes actually can he make? Because if, if there's injuries, there's injuries. And I, I don't know where Stefan Johansson is. He... Is he available for Saturday? Uh, no, he's out, out until Luke after Amos. The Luke Amos. I wouldn't think so. Wouldn't think Find so. out more, but so, maybe, maybe not. The only thing he, I would say, Dunn will come in, and it was interesting to see that sort of Dickie's now gone back to fourth choice centre half. Yeah, did Dickie? Dickie play really play. struggled against West Brom. That's the worst I've seen him play. So yeah, I don't think he could have any complaints after a drop. They've got a good centre forward uh, commentary. Is it Victor Goyekis? Yeah, Gear Carres. Yeah, I'm struggling as well with that. It's worse, yeah. harder than Irabunum. 
Yes. Which you still haven't tried. Tim. Uh, <laughs> so I would say Dunn comes in for, for, uh, for Balogun because of his dom- dominant um, ability in the air to stop the sort of, not the rot, but just to stop, you know, conceding silly goals from long throw-ins and set pieces. He is a very um, defender's defender. He'll put his head on the line and he'll put his body on the line and he'll blocks. It's going to be a tough game and uh, everyone will be, as everyone's got their, it's their last game for a month, they'll be going hell for leather. Uh, I'm going to go for 1-1. Um, I, would, I think that would be a good result for QPR considering the last two games. Mm. Yeah, we're expecting them because Coventry picked up a bit recently, haven't they? I think they won the last three games. They really struggled at the start of the season. They had all the issues with the um, with the stadium as well, where they had to have some like home games suspended, so they were sort of behind everyone else. But they've certainly picked up a bit recently. It's, you know, it's not it's yeah. I thought I was impressed with them last year. I thought they won the better size in the division. Um, I think from a matchup point of view, it would be it could suit QPR because they they are a football inside. Um, I think it could be a similar game to the Norwich game. Although I don't think they're as strong as Norwich. They've got some really good players. Uh, You've mentioned Goyakis, but Callum O'Hare is a really good player. Um, mm. And, you know, they're at home. But, I mean, there's a big range of support going up. I think it's like 4,000 going up. And they won there last year, although it was a little bit smash and grab, you have to say. Um, I mean, if a play like I did last night, defensively, they'll get beaten. So they need to sharpen up, but I don't know. Coventry, they have turned the corner a little bit, haven't they? They, you know, they they they, they got a decent record at home. Um, I think Rangers might get beat here. Actually, I think they might lose one nil. Sorry, I think I don't know. I think it's a bit, you know, I need. I mean, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty around the centre backs at the minute. Who's the best centre back? Who should be playing? Um, I mean, I think Jimmy Dunn has to play. I think he just, I don't think he's as good of with the ball at his feet as the other three. But I think as a defender, I think he, he, it's hard to argue that he's the best natural defender at, at the club. And I think that's what I need in a minute. Someone that can just hit the ball. <laughs> hit the ball when it comes into the box. Um, so, yeah, I hope I'm wrong. But... It's. I think it's. I think their tails are up, Coventry. I think Rangers are in a bit of a sticky patch at the moment. I don't know where their confidence will be. They've got, you know, a good few players missing. I think. Yeah, I think it could be a could be a, a one 0 defeat. Can't believe it's November and the enthusiasm's been sapped already. <laughs> it was looking so good earlier on in the season. We we're so excited. Um, no, I, I think I think Jimmy Dunn should come in as well. I think out of the when everyone's fit, like Dunn and Clark Salt. Well, I don't think Clark Salt had his best game last night, but when he, you know, it's his first game back, but when he's fit and, and on it, I think he's looked really impressive. So that would probably be my pick for for a back two and, you know, might even go to a back three at some point when he's, when he's got the options to do that. But I'm going to go the other way to it and I, I'm going to say that there's going to be a response given how bad uh, it was against Huddersfield, how disappointing the set-piece defending was and Beal's comments. I think there's going to be I'm hoping, I think for QPR's sake, that there's going to be a big res- <clears throat> response in training and they're going to be very eager to bounce back. So I'm going to say they're going to win 2-1 last game of the year before the break. So go out they, they, on a high, they, get back into the good I mean, position. There could, be an, there could be an argument that maybe QPR are better away from home than they are at home, which I never thought I'd ever say about QPR. 
just in terms bigger of the way they play, bigger pitches, bigger but pitches, just in terms space. of. I mean, it's I know a bigger pitch. Coventry is a bigger pitch, more space, maybe better on the counter attack. You know, with uh, Willock and Chair, wouldn't be surprised if Sinclair Armstrong's on the bench. Might come mm. on. Never know. He's due a goal. Well, that's what I'm saying. One-one. Sinclair Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> We're adding to it now after Ian's hosting last week when he said he was going to score the goal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, but I would say he'd be on the bench if he's fit. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think he should be, be, like we said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand if he's available. I know he's like not the fittest at the moment, and he's kind of young, and he's working on how to play at a top, you know, at the championship level. But you know, if he's available, him over McCauley Bond, I think it's a, a given. Really, he gives you so much more off the bench. But uh, but yes, we'll uh, we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for watching and listening. This probably might be the last one we do for a little while we'll, we'll, we might do one next week i don't know we'll see how it goes we might do one over the uh, world cup special world. yeah we could do a world cup special england predictions <laughs> who who would you play for england <laughs> yeah you never know but uh but yeah thanks for uh, thanks for watching and listening and we'll be back again soon Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.